0: Welcome to the 9th Tysonversation. Um, let's get it started with a little bit of housekeeping. Let's do some cleaning. We are available on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And I mentioned this a couple of podcasts back, but it helps to leave feedback, I hear. So if you're enjoying the podcast, getting anything out of them, please, I encourage you to leave some feedback and it helps boost the podcast on the distribution platforms it is on so that more people can hear it. Uh, Last week I put up the podcast with Niels Janssen so head over to my YouTube or on the podcast just scroll back to the last one to listen to that conversation. It goes about an hour. It was the first one having a guest on there so I'm also interested in your feedback and what kind of conversations do you want to hear when we're talking about functional training and calisthenics. I thought it took a little bit to get warmed up to get the conversation flowing, which I hear is what is how it happens. I mean, doesn't that happen in usual conversation anyway, but I thought there were some really valuable things in there, particularly the second half of the podcast. So if you haven't listened to it yet, head over and give that a listen. This week, I plan to film and edit and put out a video on my journey to achieving the straddle planche. I think that people's journeys can help other people. So you can hear this specific adversity that I overcame to achieve the skill and also how I trained it because I have touched on this in the past. There are things that someone of my height and proportion and weight can uh, advice I can give to someone that will help a lot more i be a lot more applicable to someone than advice from an elite gymnast whose proportions weight height size is not as relatable to the average person as my proportions would be so I'll be putting that up later this week and I've decided it's time I'm fed up, it's time. Uh, I'm gonna be tweaking my content a little bit on YouTube over the coming weeks and months to be a little bit more YouTube-y in terms of their titles, their descriptions and the premise of the video. So this has come about because the way I do videos is it's very much me, me, me. Like I put them out, but the idea is mine The content is mine and everything, how I go about it is all my way. And I've seen all other YouTubers, uh, not all, I've seen a lot of other YouTubers start behind me and surpass me in terms of what content they're creating and putting out and their subscription and fan base of viewerships. Uh, surpassing mine and here I am still just gradually growing and this is something that I'd love to do full time and I still don't earn enough from YouTube to be able to do that and I think I've been stubborn enough for long long enough to only be doing content my way I mean I'm not saying I'm gonna change but, like I said, I'll be tweaking the content to be more youtube for the algorithm to draw people in. Uh, an example is going to be an idea I have written on my whiteboard behind. I'm thinking three exercises that will balloon your biceps. And that's going to make the general public want to click, right? But it's going to be exercises like rope climbs and like muscle-ups and F- functional exercises that I do, but you need to word your videos like that. And you need to do a thumbnail that's ripped and Photoshop, well, not Photoshopped as in it's fake, but you know, highlight the shadows, uh, add the contrast to draw people in. And I think I've, I'm aware of search engine optimization, SEO, doing the right titles and that, but I don't think I do it enough. And there was just a catalyst moment where I was looking at uh, some YouTube content recently and saw someone that had started a little bit ahead of me and uh, now have rapidly surpassed me. And it's not that I take anything away from the content they're doing, but their content is very youtube So if I can just tweak mine a bit more to draw more people in, but still keep the same values of functional training so lure them in with the premise of growing their biceps but then bombard them with functional training tips which is what my plan has always been then I think there might be some more success and my content might reach more people that way it's just a little insight so if you notice my content or my thumbnails and that being a little bit different a bit more generalized uh, that would be why this week um I didn't really train. <laughs> I like to give updates on my training each week and this has been the first time in a while where I haven't really done anything. And so I finished Smolov 2 weeks ago, which I've gone on about since I've rebooted this podcast. And since I finished that Smolov cycle or that program It's the first program I've done in a while where it's set out and you follow it and do it. And what generally happens for me when I, follow a program so when I was preparing for my Olympic lifting competitions and throughout the first and second stronger series and after my one planch man series last year after I finish a program my mind kind of switches off from training for a bit and these I'm highlighting this happens during a program because if I'm not following a program and just going and training there's nothing There's nothing that it's really building up to, and then the pressure's taken off. It's just kind of a constant, I'm going in and doing things that I want to do. But when there's a program, there's almost like an alleviation of stress once the program is finished. And I need to kind of get away from training for a while. And I think that's a healthy thing because I've spoken about this many times before. My goals when I train are not to be the best In the world it's to teach my body skills so that I'm more adept at moving throughout life and have a healthy body that allows me to do lots of different things whether it be learn a martial art whether it be climbing outdoors or going mountain biking or lifting weights or running or walking for an extended period of time my body is able to do all those things because of the movements that I practice during my training so I'm not in a rush to get anywhere so to have a week off training every now and then is kind of like a mental deload I don't like to have too long of a break because then what I was talking about last week happens and stress builds up from not being able to get do anything physical achieve anything physical Uh, come through any kind of adversity throughout the week but after a program I need to step away and I don't even mean for it to happen I step away from training and that's what happened this week so if you do the same thing understand that to me I think that is completely okay to have that break. A week of not really doing anything is not going to have any long-term detrimental effects so the only thing that I really did was a 40 kilometer bike ride again which uh, I'm thinking is I need to look into this a bit more is a bit debatable anyway of how good cycling is for your lower back and stuff but the actual exercise of going out and exploring and working the legs um, there are a couple sprints during that cycle which were quite enjoyable too Um, yeah I I enjoyed the cycle and I'm doing the cycle for a charity bike ride in november for multiple sclerosis which i don't have any notes in front of me but from memory multiple sclerosis is a disease that is most likely to hit people in their 30s and i'm turning 30 next year and it essentially i'm just putting this into a nutshell takes away their movement and being someone that cherishes the ability to move and to be able to use my body for so many different things. MS is something that would be a terrible thing to get and must be uh, quite a challenge to deal with for the person who has it and for their family members and their friends. So this charity ride is something that I did two years ago and I'm doing again this year, and I'll put a link in the description now, I may as well start doing it now, Um, a fundraiser to raise 250 Australian dollars at least to put towards multiple sclerosis research. So that is why I'm doing these bike rides, and it's basically to just have my body, I could do an 82 kilometer bike ride just off the bat given my fitness level, but there's also a kind of a bike ride fitness in terms of my back being used to being hunched over on the bike for the entire duration of the ride. And also I was talking about last week, the uh, damage it does to the nether regions, (laughs) if you are not prepared. So go and listen to last week's if you haven't, to understand the risks of doing an untrained long cycle. So i'll put the link in the podcast notes or the youtube description if you could go and donate that would be much appreciated i'm aiming to raise 250 australian dollars by the start of november now the current events for this week um there's just a one main one i wanted to target i had someone message me on instagram asking me if I had read the book *Range: Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World by David Epstein. And I haven't read the book, but they were interested to get my thoughts on the premise of the book, or if I had read the book, my thoughts on the premise. So this is the person who messaged me their condensed version of David Epstein's book, to give me a packaged version of the idea presented and to get my thoughts. So this is kind of like a little bit of a Chinese whisper because they've read the book, they've word paraphrased it to me and now I'm telling you what they've said. So no, I've not read the book, but this is how they said it. Essentially, uh, the book is about saying early specialization in anything, except a few cases, can be detrimental to achieve a high level in your field. The book is a well-reasoned case for that idea. He compares Tiger Woods, who grew up playing specifically golf, to Roger Federer, who grew up playing many different sports before specializing, specializing in tennis. Usually we tend to think, I wish I started earlier in X, for example, gymnastics, say. But according to the author, having a more well-rounded general approach may serve you better in the long run. An example would be that instead of starting gymnastics at five, you play different sports and develop your coordination speed and strength, and that will make you a better gymnast once you start. So that's how they worded the summary of the book, and I've not read it yet, so I can't really paraphrase any more than just repeat what they've said in the message. And I want to read the book now. That's piqued my interest because the title, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World, well, it's not like a us versus them type of thing or I belong to this particular tribe but because my idea behind my training is to just move better and be healthy throughout my entire range of life you know not be 55 and I've ruined my back from years of training and not caring about it just so I can peak back when I was 30 and I'd be unable to do certain things I'm looking to be able to move throughout my whole lifespan. And a big part of achieving that is to generalize my training, not to get too specific into any particular thing. When I was specializing a fair bit in my Olympic weightlifting, my knees were paying a price. And to get better and better would be to rehab the knee and to push through it. And essentially, I saw a lot in long term, my knees being quite messed up, when I'm older, I would sit on planes or sit in movies and I couldn't last the hour and a half without needing to lengthen my leg to alleviate the pain that was in it. So whilst Olympic, Olympic lifting is amazing, even amazing movements when specialized can have a detrimental effect because you're becoming abnormally good at this specific movement. But there are drawbacks to being a generalist. You'll never be great at any particular thing. You'll never be the best at any particular thing. And to some people that can be a detriment. To me, I like to do great in things. So yeah, you could look at that as a negative point. Also in terms of being able to give advice, people are usually gonna go to someone who is the best in their field performing in their field. This isn't always the case. But this is how it can come across to people. Why would I want to learn gymn uh, why would I want to learn gymnastics from you when you do gymnastics, Olympic, a bit of Olympic lifting, a bit of martial arts training, a bit of rock climbing? When this guy has been doing gymnastics since he was five, that's who I'd want to learn from because it's all he's ever done. So there's drawbacks in that way about being a generalist as well. But I think the benefits of being a generalist relative to my goals of why I train, outweigh the cons of it. So the book piques my interest in its title anyway. From what he says about the premise uh, about how specialization in anything can be detrimental to achieve a high level in your field, I feel like the way it's been worded is important here to selling the idea of the book. I feel like he's saying something I've come to learn over time as kind of general knowledge, but the way it's worded makes you think more about it and how valid of a point this is, as if we are thinking that to specialize is what you want to do. And I don't think that's necessarily the case to people that are clued in on how to move, how to train, how to optimize performance. So what I'm getting at is if you specialize in Olympic weightlifting, for example, if that's all you do, you're limiting yourself in terms of your movements and you're also risking yourself in terms of, like I said, being abnormally good. Um, But I also think that there is a certain level of specialization you need to do to be better than other people in your field. So the last paragraph that they sent me was an example would be that instead of starting gymnastics at five, you play different sports and develop coordination, speed, strength that will make you a better gymnast once you start. True and not true, because if you want to be great at gymnastics, you should start gymnastics early. But that's not to say that's the only thing you should do. If there are other things you can do that help to develop coordination, speed and strength, then you should also be involved in that. But there's only so much time in the day. Uh, This is the problem of the generalist, is there's only 24 hours in the day to learn things. But you also need to look at what is optimal for your aims, for your sport that you wanna do. Because when I, just a slight deviation here, when I worked at Gymnastics New South Wales, their slogan was start here, go anywhere. And the idea behind that slogan is that you can start in gymnastics and it will give you the foundations to go anywhere else whether you want to get into soccer or rugby or swimming or climbing as you get older gymnastics gives you excellent foundations to be able to do that so there's a few exceptions to the rule there where things like gymnastics and athletics are amazing things to get into because they're so effective at building foundations within the practitioner. So yeah, I mean I I can't really comment more on the more on this because I haven't read the book it seems kind of unfair to just assume what is in the book. But I think to me that makes sense that you would generalize as you are younger and you would specialize as you got older if that's what you wanted to do. But if you wanted to be, if you loved doing something or you want to be the best at a particular sport, I'm I'm wording this assuming like a five-year-old knows that, but you would need to mix in the thing you want to be great at with other things so that it all complements each other. I don't think you would actively avoid that thing and do a bunch of other things so that when you are, say, 15, you go, right, now I wanna get into it. There's, yeah, you wouldn't wanna take it that literally, but I would not assume the book would be taking it that um, literally. So those are my thoughts initially on that, why generalist triumph, because they're taking in a bunch of different information. And that is why, for example, someone like me who does gymnastics, weightlifting, a lot of mobility training has certain advantages that I don't see anyone else has. When I go and roll in jiu-jitsu, I have a certain aerial awareness, mobility, flexibility, and strength that all pays dividends. And the final thing I need to do is have technique, which comes from doing specifically jujitsu. jitsu But if all I did was jujitsu then I wouldn't have that strength or flexibility, mobility, aerial awareness that gives me certain advantages when technique isn't there for me. Um, So let me just have a quick look at something here. Um, Yeah, I don't... That's pretty much combining the current events and the Q and A for today. So just a quick uh, little dose of functional training today. Next week, I will have attended an injury rehab runners workshop. So I have a little bit of info for that and I'll be getting into my second Smolov training cycle and just getting back into my training in general. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for dropping by on this Monday. And remember to hashtag TysonVersation or leave a comment to let me know of any current events or any questions that you have that you'd like me to address in the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you for the next one.